All right, yeah, if you have a Bible, just go ahead and open it up. The last chapter of Colossians today. I hope you guys have uh, enjoyed this series as much as I have, as much as we have here uh, at East Ridge over these last six weeks. It's been a real, honestly, it's been a blessing to walk through Colossians like this. I, it's such a small and simple little book. I say that, it's a small letter um, as far as like a lot of the letters in in the Bible are concerned, Colossians would be, a, honestly, a very long letter in first century Rome. Letters were not usually this long, but Paul's pretty for, for verbose, and so he likes to write a lot about Christ, obviously. And man, as we have walked through this letter, it has just been uh, hopefully encouraging to you as it has to me to see again and again and again, Paul just lift up the gospel and lift up Christ Jesus. And then to kind of, as the letter moves forward and we got to that middle part and towards the end, just to kind of go, okay, man, this is who he is. This is what he's done. This is what the gospel means for us. And now let's live our lives accordingly. And so, uh, man, living online for, you know, indefinitely will be all the, all the messages that we've done, all the podcasts, the after church podcast. And there's one more today. So go check that out as we kind of dive deeper into these scriptures, the, the reading plan, and the bookmarks are still on the stage if you want one of those and all the, all the resources that we have, guys. We just want to keep making those available to you. Um, so please, please continue to, man, just do that. Do it as a family. Do it as a growth group if you want to. But um, man, it's been, it's been awesome. So today, last message in Colossians. Um, and I, man, I love this. It's such a simple, simple message today. And honestly, I don't know if it's going to be a good sermon. I don't know if it is, honestly, because I, I just, I, I've been wrestling with the Lord, especially in this one, because um, I say wrestling with the Lord. I just mean, man, God just kind of showing me again and again how good his word is and how sometimes we don't need to kind of add to, we don't need to add anything to it, right? We don't need to add anything to it. And I know as far as like preaching a sermon, that's always, always kind of the tension of it, right? Like I want to explain and I want to expound and I want to help us understand like what's going on. But man, some of this is just, it's so simple. It is so simple. It is not rocket science. And this is part of me just, I just want to read it and let it speak to us today. Is that okay? Like, honestly, I mean, if, if there's maybe a little bit less explanation because it doesn't need to be, and just to go, man, God, speak to our hearts. Show us how we can be the church that you want us to be. Because here's what I think the message is today. God's church, the church of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ, it is beautiful. The church is a beautiful body, and we should be. We should be living out the beauty that God has given us to show the world. This is why Paul's writing this letter to Colossae to, Colosse, to, to kind of say, look, I know what you believe. You believe in Jesus, and you believe that he died and that he rose again. But now, here's how you live in such a way as to make this bride of Christ and this gospel of Jesus beautiful to the world so that they see, the world would see Jesus in us. It's great that Christ is in us, but man, the world needs to see that Christ is in us, and they need to see us living it out according to what his word says. And so um, my, uh, my, my title of today's sermon is The Uncommon Beauty of the Bride of Christ. The Uncommon Beauty of the Bride of Christ. And I'm going to ask this question. Here's the question we're going to answer. What makes the church the church? What makes the church the church? Or another way to ask it maybe would be, what makes the bride of Christ us the church? What makes us beautiful? What makes Jesus' bride beautiful in this world? I think Paul answers that with four answers in this chapter. I think there's more things that we could say, but there's four answers in this chapter. Number one is this. What makes the bride of Christ beautiful? Unceasing prayer. Unceasing prayer. Here's what he says. Verses two through four. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message 
so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So the first thing that makes the bride of Christ beautiful is prayer. It's unceasing prayer. I have a lot of notes on that, and I could walk you through the the Greek words of certain things, but listen, honestly, y'all, prayer. Is that okay? Is that clear? Is that simple enough? That we should be people who pray? That we should be people that are constantly, unceasing. He says, devote yourselves. Be watchful in this, in prayer, devoted. What are you devoted to in your life? This is a good question for us all the time to ask about our lives. What am I devoted to? What do I give myself to? What will I die for today? Because there's something. There's something every one of us in this room would die for. Would you die? Would you give your life to the kingdom? And would you make the, the purpose of your life to pray that God's kingdom would come as Jesus taught us to? We sang that this morning. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. Prayer, y'all. Prayer is the, man, it's the lifeblood of the church. It's the heart of the bride of Christ. This is what makes her beautiful. It's what makes us beautiful because her heart, the bride's heart is prayer. That man, we just want to see Jesus do what only Jesus can do in this world. And he will do that through prayer. We have prayer ministry here. Um, there's a prayer call that we do every weekday. Some of y'all are on that. Some of you do the prayer call. Um, if you're not, you can join that 715 every weekday. Um, you can talk to Chad Hamrick about that. He's probably out in the atrium right now. Um, and we also have a prayer ministry that means they, they go in right in this room right now. There might be somebody in there right now, but I know before church, there are folks that walk into this room and they pray for this service. They pray that you would hear the gospel. They pray that God's spirit would speak and that his word would hit you in your heart and in your mind. People are praying for this. Paul asked for two prayer requests, didn't he? He asked for two things. He says that the gospel goes forward and that he would preach it clearly. That's what he's praying for. That's what he's asking for prayer for. And we have a ministry here at church that people are praying for these things. We want to be a church of prayer. So if you want to join those ministries, look, go talk to Chad right after service. Come talk to me, and we'll get you plugged in if you want to be a person of prayer. But we need to be a church of prayer. And the second thing, what makes the bride of Christ beautiful? What makes the church the church? Unceasing prayer. Number two, unwavering witness. An unceasing prayer and an unwavering witness. Here's what he says, verse 5. He says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation, think about your conversations. Think about how you talk. Think about who you talk to and what kind of things you constantly are talking about, right? He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. He's talking about boldness. He's talking about purpose. He's talking about passion. He's talking about obedience to the great commission of Jesus Christ, that we would be. This was, the, this was the call for the first century Christians when Jesus left this world. What did he tell them to go do? Go make disciples. You will receive power, Acts 1-8, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my what? Witnesses. Witnesses. People who have seen something, who know something, know a truth that others don't know. Know a story that others need to hear. That's us. We should be constantly understanding that this is our goal and our mission in this world. Not just to come to church, to be the church, and to go be witnesses in this world. 
He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. I love that, right? Like, he sees, like, season your conversation with grace all the time. This doesn't mean, I don't think what he means is every conversation has to be about Jesus necessarily, but every conversation should be full of Jesus. That not every conversation maybe is about grace, but every conversation is full of grace. That grace seasons everything that you say and do. Like Peter says in 1 Peter, he says, if anyone speaks, speak as one speaking the very words of God. And if you're going to open your mouth, let it always be seasoned with grace. Listen, do not let your mouth be the reason that somebody has an excuse to reject Christ. Let your mouth be the reason they have a reason to accept Christ. Let your words, your mouth, the way that you speak. Guys, honestly, sometimes our words disqualify us before we ever get to share the gospel. Because maybe we're hateful, we're judgmental, we're just perverse in the way that we speak or whatever. Like James, James writes about this. James speaks a lot about our tongues and how we speak. And he says, man, can, can blessing and cursing come from the same mouth? Does salt water and fresh water come from the same spring? No. Man, let your conversation be always seasoned with grace. Let's be a church that has an unwavering witness. Let's be a church that's missional in all that we do and say and how we live out here in the world. And in, in, in conjunction with what Paul already asked for with prayer, right? He was praying that the witness would go forward, right? Like, guys, let's pray together for each one of us. Let's pray for each other. Let's pray for ourselves and let's pray for the people on the seats beside us. Let's pray for those that we support in ministry and in missions around the world that the gospel would go forward. That's what he asked for. Let's pray that doors would be open and the gospel would move. And so we're actually going to show a slide up here, a couple slides. Um, here's, here's some of our missions partners. These are foreign missions right here, Brighten the World, Casas Por Cristo. We have a trip coming up in February. Um, uh, the Joneses, we're going to show them in a second, Mid or right here, Midian Christian Mission, four pastors there, and then Mission Caribe, that's in Honduras. We also have some Eastridge members, Stedman Halls over in Italy right now, doing mission work. Josh and Brittany Jones, uh, global student Chi Alpha down at uh, Georgia Southern. And then we have local mission partners as well, um, all these right here. So listen, here's what we're going to do. We're actually going to take a break right here in the middle of the service. Is that okay? Is that weird? Um, we're going to have a couple minutes. And I'm going to ask you guys to pray. Let's just be obedient to the word. Is that fair? Can we do that? Um, let's be obedient to what God's word tells us to do, and let's pray. So we're going to have these slides up. And as, as these slides are up, we'll just shuffle back and forth between them a couple times. If a name or two pops out to you, pray for that missionary. Pray for that ministry, whether here in town or somewhere around the world. Okay? Yeah, let's pray.
Father, let us be a church that prays, and let us be a church that is missional. Thank you that we have missionaries that we support. Let us keep them on our hearts and minds to pray for them that the gospel would go forward. And let us be a church who serves in our community and blesses those who need help and serves people and loves people and and is a witness. Let us be a church that's a witness here. We don't have to go overseas to be a witness in our neighborhood. Let us do that here and be faithful to it. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, the third thing. What makes the church the church? What makes the bride of Christ beautiful? Uncommon community. Uncommon community. Now, I'm not going to read this entire section right here. This starts in verse 7 uh, through 17. Is the way Paul usually ends his letters, right? This is pretty common for Paul. He'll end his letters up by just saying, like, hey, this person says hey, and this guy says hey, and tell these people hey, and here, read this letter to them, and all these things. Like, he just normally does that. Some kind of final salutations and greetings and all that kind of stuff. Um, but what's so amazing, and it's easy to kind of skip over this section um, as we get to the end of this book, and it's, oh, well, you know, it's just Paul kind of saying goodbye, and it is. But what's so amazing about this is if you really pay attention to the people that he names, this is an amazing community of people. This is what makes, this is the face of the bride of Christ, right? It's the people. It's us. It's them. It's these names. Because here's what's going on. If you really think about it, he names people from different religious backgrounds. He names people from different social and economic backgrounds. He names people with different gifts, different education levels, different ministries, different lifestyles, even from different cities. He names Gentile and Jewish Christians. Right? Most of the ones he names in here are Gentile Christians, but he also names Aristarchus, Mark, Justice, and all of them are Jewish Christians. They are Jewish uh, converts to Christianity. So we've got Jew and Gentile, right? Now one body, one church, one bride of Christ. He mentions a guy named Tychicus and Archippus who seem to be ministers of the gospel, right? People who are, are in some way doing ministry, maybe preaching or, you know, teaching the church and things like that. He mentions a guy named Luke. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, and he wrote another book. Anybody? Acts. Okay, cool. Luke and Acts, two-part anthology of the story of Jesus and the beginnings of the church. That was Luke, and he's a doctor, and he's with Paul, and Paul's just like, man, Luke says, hey, this doctor who's sort of Paul's personal physician. By the way, cool cool note, Um, man, People who look back on antiquity and see all the historians over the histories of the world, um, man, many scholars today, even non-Christian people, look back to Luke as being the best historian in the history of the world. Isn't that cool? Like a guy who wrote the Bible, because they look at like the gospel of Luke in the book of Acts, and it's so accurate. And it is so amazing as they kind of do, you know, the research into that. It's pretty neat. He names a guy named Onesimus too. So he named Luke, who's a doctor, and he names Onesimus, who is a slave, right? So we got a doctor and a slave. He's actually like sending Onesimus with this letter. And by the way, the book of Philemon was written to Onesimus's master, Right? So Onesimus is going to show up with this letter, and then uh, like they're going to be reading this out, and you know, he's going to be like, oh, by the way, uh, Philemon, we also have a letter directly to you, and it's about Onesimus who's here, and he's your slave, and he kind of ran away, but now he's back. And Paul's basically telling Philemon, like, you don't have to let him stop being a slave, but you should let him stop being a slave, right? Like, it's kind of just, it's so amazing to me that he's naming all these different people as one. And he actually calls, this is so cool, he, he names Onesimus who's a slave, and he doesn't call him a slave. He calls him a faithful brother. And then he names Epaphras, who's the minister to the Colossians, and he calls him a slave. Isn't that crazy? Like, again, this is the beauty of the bride of Christ. And by the way, the only two people that Paul ever calls a slave in Scripture is Epaphras and Timothy, both pastors, slaves. 
right? So anyway, um, he also sends greetings to a woman named Nympha. He names a woman named Nympha, sends greetings to her. She's a house church leader. That's who she was. She, she led a church in her home. He even mentions a guy named Demas. Demas would later leave the faith. We actually see that in 2 Timothy. Um, he mentions a guy here who's faithful here, but later at some point he deserts Paul and deserts the ministry. Um, just a quick note. Um, don't leave. Don't desert the faith. Right? Demas is here, and he leaves later. But, uh, man, theirs was a community, y'all, marked by love and humility and equality and unity of faith. Unity and humility and love. That was the community that they lived in. They shared everything, and they gave everything. Some of us in this room think the seat we're sitting in belongs to us. It doesn't. They understood. They understood. Man, we are a unique community in the world and we have to live as such to show them the beauty of the bride of Christ so that they see the beauty of Christ. This is beautiful, guys. And we are a witness to this. We're a testimony to this. There are people in this room who make seven figures. And there's people in this room who make $7 an hour who are Christians with high educations and, and lower educations, right? There are people in this room, male, female, young, and old, from different backgrounds and different regions and different states and different countries and all over the place where we gather together and together we're singing one name, Jesus. That's what makes us beautiful, not us, Jesus, and the gospel that unites us, the faith that unites us in him. Let's be a church of uncommon community. Look, get to know somebody you don't know before you leave today. I know some of us just like to get up and we scurry on out. That's okay. I know we got stuff to do, but man, be part of the community. If you're not in a growth group, get in a, it's, there's still time. Get in a growth group. Students, if you're not connected to the student ministry, get connected to the student ministry. Get to know people. Man, we need to be part of this community. It's what makes the bride of Christ beautiful. It's uncommon, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful. So, Real quick, we're actually going to watch a video this morning uh, of one of our family members who we're going to kind of get to know a little bit better, Taylor Morgan, good friend of mine. Um, and we're going to see a little bit about her ministry that she's been doing the last couple of years, and she's actually about to go back out on the mission field uh, and do again. So let's watch this quick video. Taylor. <laughs> I'm sorry. If we need to do that again, I'll do it again. The summer before my senior year, I had everything planned out down to what college I was going to go to, what the girl that I was going to room with, my major, everything. And then just during that summer, the Lord started really speaking to me just um, about missions and going internationally and just what that would look like. And to be honest, like at first I wanted nothing to do with it. And I was like, I would never do something like that. Like that is just crazy. Um, but the more that I just kept praying about it and seeking the Lord's heart about it, um, it was just very clear that that is where he was calling me. And so I graduated high school and then I just left like right after high school. I went to Thailand, Malaysia, India and Costa Rica. Being a missionary, it just looks a lot like relying on the Holy Spirit, that if you say yes to God in a moment, he can do miraculous things. He can do wild things. The last place I went to was South Africa, and we were just walking around praying for strangers, talking to them. As we finished praying, I like look over to acknowledge this man who's just like watching us. And when he walks over, 
he immediately just falls to his knees and lifts his hands up. And he just starts talking to us and he says his name. He says, I'm actually a believer. I know what you're doing. I know that you are also fellow Christians. I gave my life to Jesus about a year ago, um, but I just desperately need prayer. And in that moment, I just saw like the desperation that he had for the Lord. And it just moved all of us. Like we were so in shock at like, wow, like he really just all he wants is prayer. And it was such a beautiful thing. So we all lay our hands and we just speak life over this man. We pray for him. We give him some scripture. And all of us at this point are crying. He's teary-eyed. And he just says, the water, the water, the water. And we're like, what? What are you talking about? And he says, I can see the water. I have never been able to see that clearly before. And so just in this moment, without any of us, like none of us prayed for healing. We didn't know he had like a vision problem, but his eyesight just in a second, the Lord touches him and his eyesight is healed and he can fully see like the ocean, the waves. And like, we were really far away. We ask him, you know, like, we, you know, you said you were a believer. Have you ever been baptized before? Have you ever been to a church? And he said he had never been baptized before. So we said, well, do you want to do it right now? And he said, yeah, let's do it. And so we walked to the ocean and we baptized him right there. And he rededicated his life to Jesus. And so I was just very skeptical for the longest time of, you know, the Lord using me in that type of way. And so this moment was so impactful for me as well, because, you know, when the guy told us to pray for him, he didn't mention, you know, I can't see, I need healing. And so when he was healed miraculously, just for us praying for him and being obedient to even just go speak to this man, the Lord spoke to me in that moment too, to be like, Taylor, it's not about you. It's not about the prayer that you pray. It's not about your works. Like it is 100% about me and I know what these people need, even if they don't tell you. And so it just showed me that whatever expectation I have of God, He's always going to be outside of that. And He's always going to do more than we expect. So I didn't grow up going to church, but I'd always like heard of, you know, I've heard of God. I knew who Jesus was just through like Bible Belt, like people around me always going to church. Um, pretty much everyone in America will tell you that they like are a Christian or they know who God is. Um, but I think just the reality that like the majority of the world or like most people have never heard the gospel or they don't know who Jesus is, is what just brings me like wanting to go back and wanting to just share that with them. Matthew 28, 19 says, go therefore and make disciples of every nation, um, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey what I've commanded you. And so Jesus gives this commandment to his disciples and he says, everyone, everyone has this commandment to therefore go. And so it's not just like, oh, some believers like go, it's every single person. And so for me, like that looked like, yeah, going to a different country and going to places where they've never heard the gospel before. Um, but just for every believer, it's like, yeah, go, go in your workplace, go in your hometown, wherever the Lord has called you, wherever he has planted you, you are commanded to make disciples and to make a difference wherever you are. Uh, 
All right, so that is Taylor Morgan. I'm going to embarrass her. She's sitting right there. So um, she's going to be actually right outside in the atrium. When you guys walk out these doors, she's going to be sitting right there. She's got T-shirts to sell. She's about to head back out um, to a thing called DTS, Discipleship Training School, um, with uh, YWAM, Youth with a Mission, and just more missions that she's going to be able to do for the next, uh, was it two years, Taylor? Two Next two years. So awesome. You guys can talk to her. I'm sure she'd love to share with you just so you can pray for her um, or even support her as she heads out. Because listen, I hope you heard it in that video, just unceasing prayer. I hope you heard that because it was in there, right? Um, unwavering witness, just being able to share Christ with anybody wherever you go, and even with a man on the beach in a moment. Um, man, an uncommon community, what that looks like when we together decide it is our job to go, right? And if it's across the ocean or if it is across the street or if it is across the cubicles, go. And just go this week. Go to somebody. Make it a goal of yours that I'm going to go. I'm just going to be a person whose conversations are seasoned with grace. I'm going to share Christ if I can and if I get an opportunity. He says, man, we have opportunities. The life is full of opportunities. You know every circumstance is an opportunity. Even every trial is an opportunity, which leads to the last point. Here's the last point for today. What makes the church the church? Unashamed suffering. Unceasing prayer, unwavering witness, uncommon community unashamed suffering. Verse 18, last verse of this entire letter. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. So you can kind of picture Paul. He's in prison while he's writing this. Timothy probably actually wrote it down. He says in the first verse of the book, Timothy, me and Timothy are doing this. So Timothy's probably the writer as Paul dictates, right? So now Paul is like, he's talking to Timothy. He's like, man, I don't know how to end this. And he's like, hey, will you give me, give me the pen? And he's got his hands bound give me the pen. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. And what does he say to remember? My chains. Why does he say that? Remember my chains? Some of us might have been in jail in this room, and praise God we have a church where that might be true, right? And that's not something we usually want to boast about, right? Like prison, jail, whatever. It's not things we want to boast about in our lives. But Paul says, remember my chains, why? Like, why is he saying that to these Colossians in this moment? I think maybe because what Paul is saying is, listen, if you want to know if everything I've talked about in this letter, about who Jesus is and what the gospel is and the truth of it and the way that it can change a heart and a life, if you want to know if that's true, if you want to know if it can actually change a person, remember my chains, Understand that Paul was a guy who used to put people in chains for following Jesus. Do you know this? That was his job. That was his life. He arrested and murdered people who followed Jesus. And now he's in chains for that Jesus. Can the gospel change a life? Can Jesus change a life? Remember, church, the chains of Paul. We are beautiful as a church because we are unashamed even of our trials and sufferings because we know that through these trials and sufferings, and Paul says so much about this, not a whole lot in Colossians, but go read like 2 Corinthians, go read Philippians. Paul says so much about his sufferings that he has endured, and he boasts in these sufferings because he knows that Jesus looks better. When we are weak, he is strong. And that is what makes us as a church, as the body of Christ, unique and beautiful in this world that we can boast even in our sufferings. Paul says, remember my chains. Look, when life is a struggle, 
Maybe it's been a struggle lately. Maybe it's a struggle right now. Remember his chains. Remember that this man who wrote this letter went to prison for this message. And he later, Paul, he was killed for his faith. But not just Paul. How much more do we remember the cross of Jesus? Before Paul, Jesus. Remember his cross. Why can we boast in our sufferings? Because our Savior suffered on our behalf. That he would die for us. And it's foolishness to the world to boast about a cross, but we boast in it. And we say with Paul in Galatians 2.20, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I've been crucified with him. Whatever sufferings may come, whatever hardships come in this world, praise God that I'm in Christ and I walk in him and I trust in him. Unceasing prayer, unwavering witness, uncommon community, unashamed suffering. And I just want to end... Um, this was a, a, a personal thought real quick. Guys, I've been just wrestling with the Lord lately about, really about this. When I read a passage like this, I've just been wrestling with, especially this last couple months, I'm just, obviously I'm in a new role here at the church and I love to be able to do it. Um, but man, as a pastor and a leader of the church here, I'm just wrestling and asking the Lord this question. There's the question that I just think he's given me to ask him lately is this. Is that what we just talked about? Is this the church that we look like right now? Is this who we actually are? What are we doing? You know? Because guys, honestly, if this is all we're doing, and this is great, and I love doing this with you guys and singing and all the things. It's, it's awesome, okay? But if this is all we're doing, y'all, that is boring. That's boring. That's not church. It's a show. If it's all we're doing is this, we come and we sit and we, yeah, hey, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? Sing a song, whatever, good, good sermon. Get out. Right? That's boring. Nobody's faith survives that kind of boredom. But if we do this, what we just read today, guys, that's why I'm just saying, look, if you would just read that and then not just read it and go, man, yeah, good points, but read it and go, okay, yes, sir, Jesus, I'm going to do it. I'm going to live, I'm going to be a person of prayer. We're going to be a church of prayer. I'm going to go, I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to have opportunities and look for opportunities to talk about Jesus with people. I'm going to be part of this community and not just a, a, a seat filler, right? I'm going to be somebody who engages and who serves and who loves, and I'm going to boast in whatever comes my way. I'm going to trust that Jesus is better, that he's stronger, and that he's good, and that he's righteous, and that he's holy, and that he saved me, and that I have an inheritance in him forever. And so I'm going to praise and worship his name forever. That speaks to a dying world. That speaks to them. Not us coming here on Sundays. That doesn't speak to anybody. But if we would go live it the rest of this week, I don't know, we'll change the world. Let's start in Covington. It'll happen, y'all. Let's do it, okay? Can we do that, church? Like, let's be the church, okay? I'm going to pray for us. Listen, real quick. Next week, we're starting a new series. It's called Questions Jesus Asked. And it is a great, I'm so excited about this series. We're going to walk through the Gospels. We're going to look at questions Jesus asked. Um, and, uh, man, Jesus asked some really good questions. And it's going to be a series that I think 
shows us the heart of Christ really well. So if you've got a friend, maybe he needs to know who Jesus is. It's a great series to bring him to. All right, let's pray together. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your goodness and grace. Help us to obey this word. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great Sunday.